There we go. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to WhatTheBuck.net, where your host, Old School, is a moron and didn't have the mics unmuted because it's been about seven years since we had a podcast. So we are kicking off tonight's season, really, for podcasts with a great show. We're fortunate enough to have in the studio Mark Cook, editor-in-chief of PeerReport.com. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Of course. And, of course, our editor-in-chief, Jason De La Torre at WhatTheBuck.net. Greetings and salutations. Is it Torre or Tori? Tori. Why did he just call you Torre? It, it works either way. I call him JC. So yep. I call a... him the comic book nerd. What do you think of that? <laughs> well, you can call him whatever you want to. Anyway, we are here with WhatTheBuck.net. We're back on our podcast regimen. Uh, we're going to do things uh, a little bit laid back tonight because, to be honest, training camp has just sort of kicked off. We don't have a whole lot of new stuff to talk about, but I know there are a number of things that people are very focused on during the offseason that we never weighed in on, and I've got an interesting group of people here in the room with me who I'm sure will have varying opinions about those topics. But first, I want to thank the people who take care of us. I want to thank Steakhouse Elite. I want to thank Tito's Vodka. I want to thank Pepin Distributing, Don Q Rum, and, of course, our friends at Steps Towing for all of the things that they do. You guys know we just finished our backpack drive, and uh, it was a smashing success. We ended up with 1,200 backpacks uh, given out to various teachers throughout the Hillsborough County area. And uh, the team that put that together was fantastic. All of you who donated, I think we had over 220 donors uh, that got us the funds that we needed. And, of course, that was all seeded by the work that was done with Steps Towing and cars, uh, Car Shows for Charity that got us the ability to do our bulk buy and really help those kids. Uh, also, a big shout-out to the Junior Buccaneers organization. Coach and the team over there were fantastic, helping us get those backpacks put together and distributed to the, uh, to the teachers here in the Hillsborough area. How, yeah. would, how would you pronounce that if you were doing this drive in Wisconsin? Pronounce what? Backpack. The backpack drive? No, the backpack drive. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is one of the greatest Saturday Night Live skits either. Yep. I mean, ever, the backpack chick. That's my I, favorite. Uh, when, I know somebody that talks like that, by the way. When was that actually on Saturday Night Live is the question that uh, I 83. asked. 83? Yeah. No. I was 10. I don't think I would, could stay up for Saturday Night Live. Well, I'm older than you. I think so. But you have gray hair. I do. Hmm. I am checking right now to see if we are going live. We are live in Facebook as well as uh, in Mixler. So everything seems to be working, which is uh, peculiar because normally things don't work like that. So... Uh, it would be the backpack drive, apparently. Backpack. I, I didn't realize that, but thank the you. Packers the Packers do the backpack drive. I got gotcha. you. Well, now we know that Mark Cook is, in fact, the man of a million voices, and we will leverage those voices. Only, only, only do a Wisconsin voice. <laughs> That's the only accent you do? <laughs> only one I do. Right. Right. Now, Jason, uh, Mark and I have both had the advantage of being at training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you have not yet. You went to one session where yep. I sat directly in front of you intentionally just to prove yes. how dumb it was the way that things were laid out at training camp Indeed. now for fans. Uh, and then I moved briefly. Um, but uh, what were your takeaways, actually? And then we'll get to Mark and I, because you got the one day. What was your high points, uh, low points? What are the things you'd like to know more about? So that Mark and I may have had the ability. It's your phone that's sitting next to the mic, mic cable. Yeah. Mark's over here doing this thing in his hands like we're not on camera, <laughs> but we are on camera. It's funny. We don't have these problems on the Pewter Nation podcast, oh, JC. Boy. Perhaps you'd like to join us next week. Yeah, oh, that's I, I funny. You guys to. still got <laughs> off of the one cell phone recording. You guys got someone to teach you how to use audio equipment. I remember that. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. It only took you guys watching me do it for 12 years to figure it out. Well done. Yeah. So um, I, did, I was very interested in seeing how the quarterbacks were still uh, being able to, to work with the receivers, especially the way that they're splitting up the reps. And it was... Uh, it was interesting. I thought both Fitz and and Jameis looked pretty good. I mean, uh, what day were you there? I was there on Saturday. Yeah, you missed Thursday and Friday when Jameis did not look good yeah. at all. Awful. 
Jameis looked to me uh, in camp so far the way Jameis looks to me in camp pretty much every camp, which is moments of joy and moments of despair. But minus any type of personality. Yeah, he's definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I do not, do not like this, Jameis. I'm sorry, I'm stepping all over JC's no, no, deal. No, that's fine. You step all over everyone on the show. It's yeah. fine. We like it. It's what do we love about you? Keep bringing me back. I know. That's we we love it, yeah. right? That's it's it's our style to do that. So that's totally good. Yeah, it's funny. My wife was like, "Are they actually going to let you talk this time?" <laughs> oh, is that what your wife said? Oh, wow, <laughs> man. She well, who come were you on with last time? Because I wasn't with you. So uh, it was Chris, right? Yeah, he'll talk over you big time. Chris, he drinks Chris. a lot of beer. Is it Chris? Who was it? I don't know who you were with. Uh, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Uh, So you thought that the quarterbacks looked relatively good, both of them? Um, And uh, Rojo is definitely a work in progress, without a doubt. Um, I like the defensive line. The defensive line looked very impressive. Um, I guess that was their first day in pads, was it? Um, It was open to public. Sunday was. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, we were off Sunday. I can't remember. Yeah. One of the days where they they, they were in full pads that you saw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That was Sunday. Yeah. So oh, you, that's right. It was Sunday. I'm you sorry. you yeah. liked what you saw at a Rojo. Yeah. No, I thought, no, no, no. I, I, I did not like what I, I okay. saw at a Rojo. It was, uh, I like what I saw at Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber. Peyton, Peyton looked really good. What are your thoughts about Rojo, Mark? Because how, everyone asks about Rojo. Obviously, he's the draft pick. How would you say Peyton Barber if you're Olivia Stacy? I don't know who Olivia Stacy is. Oh, my God. Do you know, JC? I know, that, I know who she is. I don't know how she'd say it. She, pay, <laughs> she says Peyton. She forgets the T. But anyway. Why does he know these obscure things? <laughs> Good God. It's the mind of a genius. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Rojo, this guy that's supposed to run the ball for us, what are your Why thoughts about him? Why can't we just call him Ronald Jones? We can't call him Ronald Jones. It's call literally him John. just one extra <laughs> syllable. Why do we have to shorten everything? Well, if you, if you wanted to be really technical, it's Ronald Jones a second. So. Well, we're not technical, but it's... <laughs> well, you I'm were not being a technical, Rojo. asshole. You were being, that's, that's what it comes Rojo. down to. You no, just don't, don't like, like Rojo. That. No. So yeah. you, I don't like abbreviations. Listen, Mama call him Clay, I'm going to call him Clay. <laughs> well, well, it's like Trevor uh, is calling uh, Godwin Rod God. So well, I, I, I had to have him explain that to me because I, I didn't get, get what that was all well, about. Well, we don't always get what Trevor does. Yeah. He just does things well. We just don't always understand it. <laughs> We've learned not to question the genius. The real question is, what do you think about Ronald? <laughs> Ronald? Yes. Which Ronald? I hate you so much. <laughs> Rojo, you mean? Oh. Hey-oh. Hey-oh. Got you. Uh, Rojo, I, I, well, first of all, he's, he's the focus of our training camp diary, so I'll be speaking to him tomorrow for another edition of that. Great guy. Where um, can they get that? They can get that on um, Joe Bucks? No. Oh, no, come no, on, no. man. Uh, SB Nate? No. Uh, what the... Bu- I can't remember where you can get that. Pewter. Report.com. Not the Pewter Report. If one more person says, Mark Hookup, the Pewter Report, I might snap. Really. It's not the Pewter Report. There is no the Pewter Report. It's PewterReport.com. I'm going to go get the PewterReport.com now just to screw with you. Don't call me the Pewter Report. It's not the. There's no the in front of it. We've only been eight minutes into this show, and he's complained six of them. (laughs) I'm old. You are a crotchety complaining son of a bitch. You know that? (laughs) I have fluctuating blood sugar. Oh, Lord, I got the sugars. <laughs> I've got barbecue sauce underneath my fingernails still. Forgot to wash my hands. <laughs> so could you tell us what you think about this running back, please? I like Ronald Jones a lot. I do. I mean, he, you know, it's funny because one of the things coming out of college was he only had 32 receptions at USC. Uh, we haven't seen him exactly excel at catching the ball out of the backfield. But when I brought that up to him on Sunday... He gave me a really dirty look. He said, I'll be fine. Don't worry. Hmm. I'm like, okay. But didn't he drop another one today? Yeah. But, um, you know, look, he can, you know, he's got to be able to catch the football. Peyton Barber, and I've said this, and people thought I was crazy, and I've done some fantasy football 
uh, shows and things like that on Sirius. And they all want to know, you know, how many yards is Rojo going to get? See that, Rojo. Um, you hate Rojo. I hate it. Don't hate JC, him. JC, do you just know hate that he hates Rojo? Yes. Stop. I, I think we got that. Stop. So uh, I don't like Rojo, but I, I like Ronald Jones the second. And he'll be able to. He'll be fine. Peyton Barber is going to be the guy that's going to start the season as the primary Absolutely. ball carrier, um, and you know he's going to have to work his way in there. One of those things, and we know how Dirk is as far as trusting running backs. It took Peyton Barber two years for Dirk to trust him, essentially, right? Um, pass protection and be able to be versatile on third down, yep. and you know that's where he's going to get his opportunities. Now we also know though Dirk does this thing that I absolutely despise too, where he likes to platoon these backs, give a guy two series and bring somebody in for a whole series. Even if the guy who was in the first two series is having a good game, mm-hmm. you know, I'm of the old John McKay uh, run, feeling that you know James Wilder run him into the ground. The ball's not heavy. I mean, it's not that heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep handing him the football. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it either. I mean, that's the thing. But but anyway, that's Dirk style. Fine. He's you know forgotten more about football than I'll know. I'll admit that. But um, anyway, so so Peyton's going to get the bulk of the carries early, and Ronald Jones is going to have opportunity to be in on third down. But, you know, listen, don't count out a Charles Sims, right. who this team really likes. He's always loved uh, <laughs> always. This loved him. team still loves him. They still really loves do. Him. And, and, you know, Jacquez Rogers has probably looked as solid as any veteran. I mean, he's very dependable. Dirk knows that he can trust him completely. He's not anything dynamic. And But Dirk admitted, he said, listen, Ronald Jones is a guy on this team that we haven't had before. And this organization really hasn't had a guy with his explosiveness. Um, I don't know, who would we say work done maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy like that that yep. could that could you know that you that you really genuinely yep. worry about going to the house every time he touches the ball maybe Cadillac uh, he he had yeah, yeah healthy Cadillac yeah, yeah but um but I mean it's been a long time so at least since Dirk's been here they have yeah. anybody like him on the roster so Dirk's excited about what he can do with him but he's going to have to earn Dirk's trust there's no question about that Rojo's a good guy uh, enjoy doing the ra- training camp diary with him. And um, and we'll have another edition of that probably on Saturday has, or Friday. Has Rojo been doing any kind of kick return or punt return stuff? Haven't really seen any of that. No, Not really. Hmm. No, primarily just ball carrier. And and you can listen. You can see what people love about this guy when he hits the hole. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a hundred miles an hour. Not Michael Pittman a hundred miles an hour, where it's just his feet going. You know what I mean? Sonic like, the Hedgehog. Right. It's it's yeah. you know, but he's he's he hits the hole and he goes, and uh, he's very decisive when he when he when he makes his cut. And and then when he gets out in the open field, you know, then he can make people miss too. So that's the dynamic that he brings that Peyton Barber doesn't. Although I will say this, Peyton Barber has lost some weight. I don't know that he's lost a lot of pound weight, but certainly some body fat. He looks quicker. Fifteen he pounds, looks, according he, to reports. He looks a little different, uh, you know, this year as well. And certainly the motivation is there for him, yeah. right? I mean, here's a guy who's this who's, is his shot, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he wants to be that guy that you know. I mean, he came into this league to be able to provide for his mother and his family. And um, everyone knows that second contract is usually where players make the money. So, Absolutely. you know, and, and listen, there's nothing wrong with competition. I think it's going to make both these guys better. And I think they're both going to be able to coexist in that backfield if Dirk can figure out a way to use them. Because I don't necessarily think he found a way to use OJ and Cam last year perfectly. But uh, let's see what he does this year. He also didn't find a way to use Mike Evans last year or the end zone last yeah. year. I mean, Let's not pretend he's Todd Munkin said things. they chose to suck. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't the play no, calls. No, it was clearly Todd Munkin said yeah. they chose to suck, and yeah. I hope he's including himself and Dirk when he says that because uh, there were some really questionable calls. Again, listen, I you know we we sit here and we we're backseat drivers, and Derek, I know you've coached football too. People, I I, I want to defend the play caller just a little bit in the sense, and, and again, Derek, you know this because 
that 30 seconds or whatever the play clock is in high school football or even youth league football, it seems like it goes by in 10 seconds, right? Yep. Now, that's, that's for something that doesn't even really matter that much. Mm-hmm. Now you're one of 32 guys in the world who does what you do, plus you're trying to manage the entire football operation in that 30 seconds, not just make a play call. It's not an easy thing to do. Again, when we're at home sitting on our couch or we're in that press box, um, you know, we're like, why didn't he call this or why did he do that? You know, I mean, it's real simple for us to come back yeah. and, and do that. But I will say this, and I think Dirk will say this, he's got to get better. He still has to get better. Yeah, and, and I get the complexity of what he has to do. But some of that is of his own choice, mm-hmm. right? He could, mm-hmm. he could separate some of those tasks should he choose to. He and I, I like the idea of him bringing Monk in as, as the, technically the offense coordinator because that will allow him time to do a little bit more. But during game day, hopefully he will have Monk in his ear and will lean on Monk in a little bit more as far as making those play calls because Todd can, uh, Todd can be you know, looking two plays ahead. Okay, it's second and ten right now. If we only get three yards here and it's third and seven, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? Right. And all of those things that you, as a play caller – you're trying to determine which hash mark are you on, this and that. And as Dirk has said, the worst view of a football field it's is from standing the side on line. the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, people give coordinators shit who go up to the press box. It's a universal w- amount of harassment, but it is absolutely yes. smart yes. to get that bird's eye view. And where I've seen coaching work well is when you have a head coach, and sometimes even at the coordinator level or, or D coordinator, who's got a staff that's up in the box mm-hmm. and can say situationally what they're looking for. I, I want to run here. I want to go right. ISO here. Mike looks like he's hot here. Like, and give them some color sure. and then let them pick which card to pull. Right. Right. You give them the broad brush strokes and let them say, okay, well, I, I've noticed this safety's cheating. I see what he's trying to say. He's trying to get up under that. Um, yeah, even, but, back, even back in the day, Gruden used to. Gruden used to do that too. He'd always call up to the box and find out, you know, hey, right. you know, what are they running? Uh, what blitz are they running when I'm um, calling this particular play? I mean, when I was when I was coaching high school football, I was JV offensive coordinator, um, and but I helped with the varsity on Friday nights. But I was one of those guys up in the booth, and and the offensive I coached offensive line, and the offensive line coach would be asking me. You know, which way are they shading? You know what I mean? Are they lined up in a one, a three? You know, and and, you know all of those things. And that's even in the you know simple thing of of high school arena. Certainly in in the NFL, it's a little bit different, more complex. But uh, they're trying to get that big picture, certainly, and they're taking pictures after every drive. And Dirk's looking through them, or or Munkin will be looking through them. Okay, on that last drive, this is where the nose tackle was lined up. Why couldn't we run here? We didn't get a good double team, whatever it may be. Um, People have you know if you haven't coached football. It, it really is a chess match. It, it really is. And, um, you know, you've got to win more than you lose. And, unfortunately, Dirk hasn't won as many chess matches, matches as he needs to. Yep. We won't even get to Mike Smith and his chess matches. Well, I, I know that Dirk really bristles when you guys bring up, you know, well, how are you going to get the ball to Mike mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, DJX and OJ. and Dude, know. Dirk bristles when you say that the weather is nice. Like, <laughs> I mean, talk, Dirk is a bristler. <laughs> he is a bristly son of a gun. Yeah. And, and we talked about it his first season, like – we said, as soon as this thing turns a little bit south, this guy's going to be tough. <clears throat> yes, he's very and salty. Yep. He is super salty. It's not just the salt and pepper on his chin that he's rocking this year, which certainly is is looking pretty good. I think the ladies are enjoying it. But um, <laughs> it's it's tough, man. You go to those press conferences, you guys, and you have to face him all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, yeah. he, he – he, he, every opportunity he gets a chance to give a little dig at us, he's certainly going to take it. I mean, he took a couple shots at me last year. He's already given a dig to, uh, to Greg Almond yeah. this year. Which I didn't get. Like, well, I that, and that question, you guys, the the people watching, actually saw the uh, the presser. All Greg did was ask about Leonard Wester. 
Yeah, I, I think that maybe Dirk had maybe, and I wasn't at that press conference. I was on the field interviewing players. Um, but, I, you know, I think maybe Dirk had maybe mentioned the injury situation early in the press he conference. Did, and Greg not came, about Leonard. Really? Okay. Yeah, because so. Greg did ask when he came back, because he got there late, he was doing an interview. And he, and he said, I, I don't know if you've already covered this. And he asked about Vita. He goes, yeah, I did. You should have come around time. Like he popped him right, right in uh-huh. the nose. Okay, like your prerogative. He didn't, wasn't there at the beginning. But then he asked a legit question about an injury that wasn't covered. And I right. think what happened, and this is projection, so you know, take it for what it's worth. He thought he had gotten out of not talking about that injury. Yeah. Because he had had two back-to-back good practices, right? And everyone who's watching it knows it. And, and I get it. Coach doesn't want anyone talking about names that no one else knows. Because that means people are going to be looking for those names. Right. Uh, so it was... It I've never weird. understood Dirk's aversion to talking about injuries. I mean, again, there's an injury report. Teams can... You know, there's sources. There's... You know, you, you know when a guy's injured, you have a general idea of what the injury is. And, you know, I don't... I don't know. Do they are they going to go target a guy because he's got a you know a, a bad hip flexor or whatever? I don't know. I, I mean, maybe, but again, it's just like this. You know, we don't want to show what we're doing in OTAs. You guys can't tweet you know formations and things like that mm-hmm. because you know we want to be able to surprise our opponents. Again, have they forgotten? There's this thing called preseason game film. I mean, you you know you're going to see it. You're going. I mean, what what are you? What are you? But I Mark, don't, I don't think Atlanta is worried about what Dirk's doing in in March. We all know that preseason doesn't matter. Everyone yeah. tells us that, right? right? It doesn't matter at all. Right. And practices don't matter. Really, they should just put on their uniforms and get out for game one. That's exactly what they <laughs> should do. It'd be more interesting, but yeah. yeah, no, I know what you're saying. But it's uh, you know, I think I think Dirk 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 doesn't like that's this is Dirk's least favorite thing to do is to deal with the media. There's no question about that. Uh, it's just not his thing at all. And you know, I don't know how much Dirk was behind. This new practice situation, the fact there were you know fewer open practices. I don't know if he had anything to do with that, but I don't think he necessarily minds not having you know a ton of people out there and the chaos that kind of goes along with it. But right. um, anyway, sorry. For anyone wondering what Mark's talking about with regards to that, you've heard me bitch about it on the video updates. Uh, training camp is different this season. The Bucks have historically done a great job um, of running a, a training camp that's very fan-friendly, gives you tremendous access to the team. It's been sort of a hallmark ever since they came back from Disney. Uh, they've done a, a better job every year. It's, it's something that, irrespective of how the season goes, the team has always done a fantastic job of. This year, uh, with the opening of the indoor facility, they clearly had to deal with some different logistics. And uh, they took the stands out for reasons that I'm not sure of, other mm. than maybe aesthetics coming up the entryway to the indoor facility, which means you just have grass and then some mulch to stand in. Uh, I'm not sure that these two were connected, but I think they probably were in order to mitigate the risk of too many people. They controlled the supply of tickets, mm-hmm. so you have fewer tickets available, but you're still seven to ten deep on a sideline flat level, right. uh, which means that if press is going to cover 11 on 11 or 7 on 7 if it's done on field one, they're going to be standing or, or actually kneeling or sitting in front of someone, in most cases a child or someone in a wheelchair. Or um, somebody very short like me. Or someone very short like JC, yeah. right. So I don't like it. We talked to the Bucks about it. They weren't super happy about anyone questioning them about it. Um, it did go better than I expected for open practice, but it just means that, like, I have no problem. Real media, the guys are out there paying their bills doing it. They've got to cover this stuff. I, I'm not going to block someone else who's out there for one day to see the team that they care about because I want to give a video update on what, you know, Mike looked like in a particular practice. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think it's better for anyone. I don't think it's particularly comfortable. I don't think it's more intimate. 
Uh, and, and I certainly don't care how the other teams in the league do it because that doesn't matter because this is my team. So, at any rate, I agree. I think Dirk dislikes any, all of that shit. Right. Um, and, and if I were a coach, I would too. We talked yeah. about it with Hard Knocks last year. It was like, well, why is Hard Knocks a problem? Because fuck you. I don't want people in here with cameras. I don't want people causing drama. I don't want any of that. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, it'd be no big deal. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good call, everyone who said that last year. By the way, you were all yeah. wrong for anyone keeping track on the scoreboard. Yep. Now, we had a question about the right-hand side of the offensive line, and we'll go back to what you had to sure. say, Jason. I'm sorry. I'll probably um, forget by then, but that's okay. You should take a note. Um, <laughs> right-hand side of the offensive line, do either of you have concerns about that as opposed to the left-hand side of the offensive line particularly? No. You feel good about Tamar? You feel good about insert guard here? Well, insert guard being Caleb Beninock. Yeah, sure. I have no problem with that. Okay. That well, year? it was interesting that they gave Kappa some uh, – <clears throat> Some first uh, first string reps tonight today, didn't they? Yeah, they did, and you know I think they're going to keep seeing exactly what they have. They, Ali Marpet was a a aberration that doesn't happen very often. Number one, you don't draft a guy from a school that small, and then right. you turn around three years later or four years later and draft a guy from a school maybe even a little smaller. I don't know. I'd have yeah. to compare, but they're both very similar. Um, the difference I know, between Ali, I, I know I'd never heard of Humboldt State yeah, before, no, I, before I the draft. And, and Ali, Ali actually performed better. I mean, they both looked really good during the week of Senior Bowl practices. Uh, Kappa didn't look great in the game. Uh, Ali looked really good in the game. So they just, I mean, the the feeling we get is they feel that Ali was more developed and more pro ready to step right in. And I think he probably they probably needed him to more than they do now because I think they really I know they like Caleb a lot. They would love to keep Caleb as that swing guy because Caleb can play either tackle positions, either guard mm-hmm. position. The only thing he hasn't done is snap the ball. And, and Dirk even said at the media breakfast over in the uh, or in Orlando at the owners' meeting that you know he probably he could probably do that. He's just a very versatile guy, and you need that that guy that's dressed on Sundays that can go in at any position. Um, but uh, but at the same time, Dirk doesn't have the luxury of gambling with a rookie from Humboldt State. Um, if you've got a guy that's better, in other right. words. And so I, I think it's, it's Caleb's job to lose. Uh, but they're going to give Kappa as many reps and opportunities because, as we know, particularly on the offensive line, and we saw it last year, um, you're going to have guys go down. You're going to have multiple guys go down at some point, usually in a season. So, you know, there's, there's, you know I don't think they're counting on Kappa to start, but they are counting on him to be a guy ready to go. Uh, it kind of is that next man up at the guard position if, if Allie – or, or Caleb were to go down. And I know uh, DeMar was coming back from injury. Uh, how has he looked? Because I saw a few... Not vi- good. I, yeah, not I saw great, a few videos but, with JPP kind of just abusing but he's, him. He's never, he's never really looked good in practices anyway. Okay. I mean, he's an older veteran guy, too. I mean, when the game, when it's game time, when it's New Orleans, he'll be ready. I don't have any worries about DeMar Dotson, particularly about his health. I think he's fine. Uh, but DeMar always seems to get a little uh, shin injury or a, a toenail injury about the second game of preseason and, you know, sits out the last couple games. Um, you know, but, I mean, he's a veteran guy and he can do that, right? I mean, he's, yep. he knows how to play football, and, and I think he's fine. Uh, I'm not worried about him on that side either. Uh, and the good news is this team feels like they have some capable backups at the tackle position with a, with a Leonard Wester and a Cole Gardner and, and some of these other guys that are getting some opportunities. And, you know, they're not putting DeMar out there full-time, taking every rep. They're giving these guys some opportunities to give DeMar time to rest, number one, but, and to make sure he's not going to have any kind of issues with his leg. But, um, you know, again, they, they've got to be prepared on that offensive line because, again, they've got the skill positions, right? I think we all agree with that. And, and the big question mark last year was the running game, but was it the chicken? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it bad blocking or was it bad running? And, and you can debate it all day long. Uh, but they know that the offensive line, and I think Dirk understands, is going to be crucial to their success offensively this year because, again, you can have 
uh, tremendous skill position players and and have an awful offensive line, you're not going to win many football games unless you're Russell Wilson. But you know that's that's a unique situation. Yeah. And I think Jason's moves in the offseason kind of told you what the Bucks thought the problem was. Uh, you know, bringing in Jensen. Mm-hmm. You know. De- uh, drafting Kappa, you know, definitely putting more resources towards both lines. So yeah, I still don't really understand the whole Marpet to guard. I mean, uh, to center deal last year yeah. um, for them to give up on it so quickly. Uh, you know, I mean, I thought he was a very good above average guard in the league, and so let's switch him over to center, uh, which is more difficult to play and and more responsibilities, a position he hadn't played before. You know, where he's helping make line calls and yeah. things like that. I understand a little bit why. Obviously, they wanted to get a little beefier up front. Uh, as much as we love Joe Hawley, he wasn't the biggest guy in the world, and, and he could get manhandled at times. So, I, But I do like the acquisition of Jensen. Jensen uh, Jensen's going to be – Jensen's not only going to be an upgrade at the position on the field for 16 games. He's, he's going to be that guy that they've missed since Logan Mankins retired because there wasn't a lot of accountability, in my opinion, last year on that offensive line. Nobody stood up and really was a leader. Um, Joe Holly was to a degree, but he wasn't even the starter last year. Yeah. So it's hard to lead when you're sitting on the bench. I think Ryan Jensen is kind of, uh, you know, from what we've talked to, some of the guys has, has been a nice glue for that offensive line and that veteran leadership that this team kind of needed. And he sets a really good example as well because he's a hard worker in practice. No, he, he's oh, like okay. an interesting mix between uh, – I, I like the Logan Mankins reference, but who the hell was the center? All the ink. Uh, shit, now I lost the name when I was waiting to say it. Played for the Bucks. Uh, Obviously, I'll I'll look it up. Anyway, he was he was a tough nose. He was Joe Holly, but a little bit better athlete. We had him for about four years. He, now he does peanuts or something, custom peanuts in Orlando. Anyway, Jeff Fane. Jeff Fane. Jeff Fane. Jeff Fane had that Holly. I'm going to mm-hmm. kick your ass if you do anything I don't like. And by the way, the ass I'll kick may be the guard standing sure. next to me if you do something I don't like. Right. <laughs> right? And uh, I was watching the offensive line the other day, and I've never been a huge Evan Smith guy. He's he's functional he seems like a nice guy i don't dislike him i just feel as though when he's in we miss plays i just don't think he's got that left but i watched him coach for 10 minutes of a period right as the coaches were coaching he was coaching Mm -hmm. and and executing the rep so he would give instruction then he would execute the rep and while i thought that we lost a little bit physically with holly i still always wanted holly on the field right and i don't want evan smith going anywhere because he he can play three positions yeah and, and if he's going to continue to make that offensive line better, to your point, I think that they've got to get that unit, that five, and if they start, if they platoon a position no, on that line God again, Lord. I swear to God, someone should be, there should be ink wet on their resume. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you've seen a, a tremendous move towards getting it better, and I love what I've seen at Jensen so far. There was a great uh, back-to-back series with him in uh, JPP, the last practice I went mm-hmm. to, and JPP whipped his ass mm-hmm. on the first one, and the next time he tried a similar rip move on him, and, and Jensen drove him through the ground. Yeah. And it was great to see those two. And JPP, to me, and I don't know who yours is, Mark, but so far he's been probably the biggest highlight of camp. Not that I wasn't – I no, didn't know I, he was good. I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize how good he God, was. Holy God, he's And I don't good. know if he's – if we, we think he's so good because of how bad the defensive ends have been this year, the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is certainly as advertised. And – um, is a dominant guy on the defensive line. I, you know, Scott's all about, you know, I love that they move him inside on the nickel rush. I'm like, no, no, don't create another Robert Ayers situation. Nope. The guy is is got 76 sacks or whatever it is in his career, uh, and he he did play. He did play, and he got some sacks at, at tackle earlier in his career uh, with the Giants. But to me, 
you need that guy on the edge. And I understand if you move him inside, then you can bring Noah Spence in, and you can be a little more flexible when it comes that way. But his skill set is is an edge pass rusher, and uh, and I think that's where he he's, he's best suited. But we'll see how they utilize him. But, hey, what I worry about with this defense, and I asked Mike Smith about this in the offseason, he didn't really answer me. You know, here's a here's another thing, and you guys bear with me as I try and explain this, as I'm tired and trying not to fall asleep here. When you have more talent, all right, do you have to take more chances, or you can you just be like Monty Kiffin? Monty Kiffin played four defensive linemen, right? right? He didn't change up a lot of things. There weren't a ton of blitzes. He just said, our 11 are going to beat your 11, and they usually did. Now, again, Scott and I debate a little bit about this. Scott says, man, this just opens things up, right? You have so much more talent. It opens opportunity to blitz a lot more. I'm of the mindset, don't blitz unless you have to, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you can't get to the quarterback with your four, that's when you blitz. Right. Um, Again, we'll see what Mike Smith wants to do about this. But my question to Mike was, you know, does this allow you more flexibility to be more creative in your defense, or can you just play more of a base and just try and, you know, win that way? And, of course, Mike says, well, we're going to try and put the best 11 on the field and put them in the best situation the and stuff like that. But uh, we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the preseason. Um, but but um, anyway, the best acquisition I think we all agree with on that defense was Brenson Buckner. Love that guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Guy. If you absolutely. expand it to coaching, without a doubt, the guy's got nothing but juice. Um He's smart. The attention to detail is phenomenal, and you guys know that I geek out on that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went nuts about the the hand towel drill from two years ago that I still think was good for foot placement on initial step uh, that Coach Hayes brought in. Uh, I was watching some around the the camp stuff on NFL Network the other day, and they were I think they were in Miami, uh, no Dallas, and they were doing uh, essentially you know clubs on the dummies and then going through. And it's so different because the way our team is using that drill, they're using a, a therapy band around their wrists, a very tight therapy band to keep your wrists about six inches apart because Coach Buckner does not want wasted movement. Right. And so he wants you to use physics, essentially, to gain more strength with less wasted movement. So you have to keep your hands in tight, and he wants the hand to spread, and then he wants the shoulders to throw through to cause more impact with less uh, arching and, and swinging, like a bad hook. If you've ever seen a boxer with a crappy right. hook, right, that's what he's talking about. And I watched Dallas do it, and their arms are coming way out here, and it's it's so sloppy. And it reminded me again how much I enjoy what I'm seeing at Coach Buckner, and I love how much he is getting in people's faces, mm-hmm. right? It was a it was a one on one where it wasn't Will Golson. I've been picking on him a lot. It was someone else who got thrown to the ground by a backup tackle, and Buckner was like, "Ref, that would have been a penalty. That would have been a penalty, right?" And the ref's like, "No." <laughs> no, that wouldn't have been a penalty, and they had a small argument right. about it. Not a bad argument. Right. He wanted to understand what was going on. But I agree with you. He's phenomenal. And, I think he's raised everyone's level. You made a good point about non-wasted movements. I mean, I remember in the rookie minicamp, I think it was, when Vita Vea was there for the first time. And I don't remember the exact drill, but it was a situation where the defender was supposed to – there was a simulated running back, even though there really wasn't a running back. There was a spot he was supposed to get to. Two offensive linemen, which were actually defensive linemen, turned around as offensive mm-hmm. linemen, to try and block. And he was to try and get through that double team. And Vita tended to want to go outside. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if the guy's coming to uh, Vita's r- right, Vita's trying to get around him left. And, and, and I remember Buckner just pulling him aside saying, what, what the heck are you doing? The quickest distance, right, is from point A to point B, whatever that cliche dealio is. Mm-hmm. And he says, the guy is there. Why are you trying to go here? There's where he is. I want you to go to that guy. Yeah. And it's so simple, but it is something that gets lost in football sometimes. Say what you want about Greg Shiano. I enjoyed 
his practices because they were so detail oriented. They went yeah. over tackling drills, you know, till 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 these guys were blue in the face. And um, you know, I I just uh, I, I like the attention, the detail that, that Brentson Buckner brings. And I was talking to Will Goldson yesterday, just casually, was you know. I wouldn't say off the record, but I didn't have my recorder on, and we were talking about that. And he says, I love it. That's what I need. And he says, you know, I can respect this guy because he not only did he play, he played well in the league, right? Yeah. He wasn't a guy that bounced around for a couple of years. He was a very good football player for the Panthers for a long time. And something Brenson said in his introductory press conference that I liked was, when I tell, I don't remember who he said, but let's just use Will Golson, um, don't do it like this because that won't work. I can pull up film and show him where I tried it, and guess what? It didn't work. But then I can show him film how it does work. And so there is something to be said for that. Not all former players make good coaches, uh, but but some of them do. And I think Brenton Buckner is, is, is one of those guys that, that already has. And another thing William said is, is you look at his track record and the guys that he's helped in the NFL, and you see the success that he's had with these guys, and it makes you – you know, want to want to work that much harder and trying to absorb and listen to what he says. He says, "I have no problem with him yelling at us, getting honest and challenging us." He says, "Because that's what I need." Now, if you don't mind me circling back to uh, the way that they're interchanging the ask him, players. he's the boss. <laughs> Do you, you mind? Feel free to circle back. <clears throat> the way they're interchanging the defensive linemen, uh, I always thought that it was going to be Curry that was going to be inside. And is there a reason? why? Well, we, we've seen Curry some yeah. some inside as well. Um, you know, JPP is a big man. I mean, he's bigger than Curry. And so I kind of understand that a little bit if you're going to move him inside. You know, listen, the Seattle Seahawks won a Super Bowl a few years ago by putting four defensive linemen on the field that weren't necessarily a nose tackle, a three technique, and two ends. Yep. It was their best four yeah. pass rushers. And, and I think that's what they want to try and do, get their best, best pass rushers on the field in passing situations. Now, the problem that comes up with that is, particularly in this division, Drew Brees is just as liable statistically to throw on first down as he is on third down, right? So that's that's a little more difficult. But when they do see trends and tendencies, and we know it's a third and long situation where all teams are going to throw, unless it's Dirk who tries to run the draw on third and 13. But <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> so so I think, uh, you know, I, I see what they're doing with JPP. I think he would be a better guy if you're going to move somebody inside uh, to, to rush uh-huh. the passer there because he's just such a – he he's got a multitude of moves, but he can fight inside that that uh, what I call the refrigerator a little bit more, where he's got two guys on either side of him. Now, well, can- the thing about him is he's got such a wingspan. Mm-hmm. Now Curry does too, and if Curry was on the field next to him, you'd be like, my God, look at the wingspan yeah. on this guy. Yeah. But then JPP steps up and it makes him look like his little brother. Just just stands out. I mean, this guy has done nothing but stand out. And I, and I've I've already apologized on our Pewter Nation podcast, but I'll apologize again. I was one of those guys that was disappointed that he wasn't at OTAs. I think OTAs are important, particularly when you're a new player, to just show your guys, right? Mm-hmm. I'm part of this team. I, I didn't like it when Deshaun didn't show up a lot last year. Which right. He showed up more this year. But I didn't like it when he didn't show up a lot last year. Um, well, guess what? And, and, and so you, you got burned with Chris Baker last year, right, who didn't show up for a lot of OTAs yep. and then just sucked. Who cashed it in, got the big deal, forget about it. Um, so you, you, you worry and you're a little scarred thinking, man, I hope JPP's not just going to ham at the end of my career, right? I've, you know, I've played eight or nine years, whatever it is. I've right. accomplished a lot. I've got a Super Bowl ring. Um, uh, it's, that's not the case. He's working just as hard as anybody on that field. I'll tell you another guy, though, and I'm sorry I'm taking up this whole conversation, uh, but, but Gerald McCoy. I bet Scott, Buck, Scott Reynolds $50. Gerald McCoy has more sacks than JPP this year. 
particularly if they're going to move JPP to the inside. Yeah, because who do you double? Gerald McCoy is just, you know, every year we say, oh, he's driven, he wants to make the playoffs, he's been in the league a long time. I just, I just see a little different Gerald McCoy this year too. And you know what? He doesn't have to do it all. He doesn't feel like he has to do it all. And, and I think Gerald that's going to help him. Ah, he's just, sorry. you know, every year. It's interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to reply and it uh, caused a uh, feedback loop. There was an echo in here. There but, was, but I, you know, I, I think Gerald McCoy is going to have a. I think, I think if Gerald can stay healthy for sixteen games, he's the ten sack guy. Yeah, and, and you know what? Th- they don't need JPP to get fifteen and Gerald to get twelve and and Vinnie Curry to get nine. They just need forty as a group, right? The Eagles yeah. won a Super Bowl last year, I think, without a thousand yard receiver. Without a ten sack guy, yep. I know they didn't have a ten sack guy on the defensive line, you know. But they worked great as a unit, and I think that's something that's going to benefit Gerald McCoy. I think there's an opportunity for him to have his best season this year. Ren, He's motivated. Ren in the uh, chat room just brought up a really good point with regards to inside pressure with Gerald and JPP. We talk about it every year with Drew Brees. The challenge, the way to make Drew Brees uncomfortable that's is inside right. pressure in his face, mm-hmm. and so Collapse the pocket. So Ren brings up, I think, accurately a great point of, of if you can get that pressure upfield. That negates a Drew Brees. And, and maybe that's the game that JPP moves inside on, whereas right. with Cam Newton, you're certainly going to keep him right. outside to contain the edge. So Now, one of the things that Buckner does differently, and a friend of mine who is an Atlanta fan asked me the question, is this going to help save Mike Smith's ass? Because Mike Smith is a lateral line guy. He wants contain, lateral. If we get there, we get there. Let's play defense and see if we can out-scheme and do those things. Even though uh, we had jokingly said in practice the other day when Mike Evans caught a pass with no one within eight yards of him, Someone said, what defense is that? And I said, we called that base last year mm-hmm. because that's pretty much what we ran. Yeah, so I said it's the Mike Smith <laughs> yeah. coverage. So uh, the interesting thing is Buckner is all about upfield. And you remember the old phrase, or the I think it was Sapp who said, we would tackle the running back on the way to the Do quarterback. quarterback yep. yeah. Buckner is all about the first three steps. Yep. First three steps set up your first move, but you already have your second move in mind. And if you don't get through on your second move, you're already beat. That play is over. I'll tell you, there was some frustration among defensive line players last year with Jay Hayes coaching. Number one, making the line calls from the sideline right before the play, not allowing the guys to have a lot of input there. But also, and we saw guys go rogue at times last year because of that. But also, and Warren Sapp was the guy that told me this. Warren told me, he goes, he hated what Jay Hayes taught as far as a lot of lateral movement on the defensive line before you penetrated right. and went upfield. You field. danced. And, and he said, that's, he said you got the quickest three technique in the league, and you're asking him to do a shuffle step before he can go get the quarterback? He Made said, that's no ridiculous. Sense. It makes no sense at all. And, uh, and, and Jay Hayes was the guy that fell on the sword for it. Now, we had a couple of questions while we were having this conversation. JC, did you get the answer to the question you wanted to ask? Uh, yeah. You, cir- you circled back. Yep. Okay. Um, I like to circle back. <laughs> Sure. Circling back is fun. It's, it's sometimes it's better than circling forward. That's more mm-hmm. complicated. Yeah. Uh, VH3. Do you like that? You don't like that? Vernon Hargraves? What do you want me to call Vernon? What would you want me to call him? Uh, but before we answer that question, someone wanted to know how you are not wearing your Chargers German James jersey uh, on the show this evening. <laughs> Where's the camera? <laughs> someone actually still still think it would have been a much better pick. Someone actually corrected them and said you don't wear jerseys. You don't That's think right. Wear Grown jerseys. men should never wear jerseys. So there you go. If you're over so, 14, you shouldn't wear jerseys. So there you have it. So someone defended you, but it was a very funny comment. But, what uh, do you think, Vernon? Do you think Vernon's day one starter? Do you? I know he got dinged up a little bit, but he was right back out. Yeah. What are your thoughts? He, he's about had it? a tremendous first few days of camp. No. Um, you know, he he went through a series. I don't know if it was today or tomorrow, yesterday. I've already forgotten, but um, where he went up against Mike Evans, uh, somebody. Uh, there was four plays in a row. Four different receivers. Godwin was one of them. Mike was one of them. 
they ended up with zero catches out of it. And he had like three pass breakups in that. Not just, you know, he defended the, the, the receiver. I mean, he got his hands on the ball. He's, he's, he's a guy that, again, I think is motivated because he understands he's disappointed the last couple of years. Look, say what you want about it, Roberto Aguayo, but that was the same draft they drafted Vernon, I mean, Vernon Hargraves, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and he could go down as, as one of Jason Light's worst first-round picks if things don't pan out. But he's yeah. certainly looked... Much, much better. And, and sometimes it takes a little while. I mean, Rondé didn't set the world on fire when he They drafted Brian Kelly yeah. to replace Rondé Barber. Yeah. I mean, yep. there's no doubt about it. And, and, and again, I've, I've mentioned this before on your podcast and on, on ours as well, but, but Greg Shano told me one day, he says, let me tell you, other than quarterback, there's not a more difficult position to learn in the NFL than cornerback. And uh, he was a firm believer in that. That's a very, you know, uh, very complex thing to learn. And, um, you know, and, and I agree with that. I, I don't, you know, I, these guys that step in and, and the kid from, uh, from New Orleans last year, what's his name? Lattimore. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those, those guys are, you know, they don't have, that doesn't happen very often. In other words, it takes a year or two, sometimes three for these guys to develop, which is good for Vernon because this is year three, but he certainly looks like a different player. Now let's see what happens when he gets on the field against New Orleans, gets burned for a touchdown. All of a sudden, does he go back in his shell yep. and start playing the Gator way? I made it 43 man. minutes before I took a shot at the Gators. Yeah. 41 minutes, actually. It's now, like 43. Now, now, with that said, the, young, the young guys uh, have been looking pretty good, though, right? No, uh, I, I agree. You know, we all we all love we all loved Carlton Davis. You know, loved his attitude and his press conference, and when we talked to him after the draft, and the confidence level that he had, his size. Uh, but MJ Stewart is a guy that's really probably probably shown more than Carlton Davis, and. Um, as a rookie, and Dirk told us yesterday, again, a couple days ago, the reason that is is because he's just so cerebral. Again, when you're trying to learn a new position, you're coming into the league, a lot of times you can get bogged down just with the terminology, just the scheme of things, and it doesn't allow you to play naturally. MJ is such an intelligent guy, Dirk said, that, that those things, he's, he's okay with those things. So now he can just focus on his play. I still really like what I've seen out of Carlton Davis as well. Um, I don't know. Again, he had a we, good day with Mike today, didn't he? We, yeah, we met with the officials yesterday. Um, Ed Hockley's son, I can't remember his name, looks Sean? just like him. Sean yep. um, showed us all the new rules. Holy obscure knowledge, JC. Well <laughs> Sorry. done, sir. Well, he's been in the league five years. His first as a referee this year, though, he, he informed us. He does not, does not have the same guns as his dad. By the way, I asked yeah. him how his dad was. His dad's like in Idaho right now fly fishing somewhere in the RV with, with mom. So uh, Ed's enjoying his retirement. But, but one of the points of emphasis, and I asked Sean this, I said – are you guys really going to do this? Because every year you say the point of emphasis is no contact after five yards. And then what happens? First game comes along. You throw a, a ton of flags in the preseason. Then the season comes along and it's back to hand checking and all this stuff. Receivers pushing off. Defenders, you know, uh, touching receivers. Are you really going to see? No, this year we're really going to do it. So we'll see. But the thing is, that's what Carlton Davis does well, right? is use his hands, and he's going to be a target, in my opinion, if he continues to do that, because I've seen him with his hands on guys 10, 12 yards down the field. Uh, I've also seen him lock guys up at the line of scrimmage, though. What we talked about with him being able to play press man with his size, there was one particular play uh, over the weekend where Cameron Brate split out wide. Carlton Davis got up in his face, and Cam could not get off of him. I mean, the guy can lock people up. He's really good. Now, I would not recommend Carlton Davis trying to get in Julio Jones' face because Julio will embarrass him. Right. I mean, he's still a rookie in the NFL, but uh, he doesn't lack for confidence. And he is like – we talked about Ronald Jones being a guy, like uh, a player that this team hasn't had on the roster. I don't remember a cornerback in Buccaneer history, and I'm going back to the 
days of 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 of, of, of Ricky Reynolds, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of a big, long wingspan kind of guy, a Richard Sherman esque kind of cornerback, uh, and. Um, I like I, I like him a lot. I still think he's going to end up getting. So they playing. went after the kid from Vanderbilt to be, but he never turned into Myron, Myron Lewis. Yeah, he never turned into it. Yep. He had one game where he did, and then he got beaten and never recovered. Yeah, he was. He was. What about Banks, Jonathan Banks? How big was he? But he was he he didn't have the what's the right word? Uh, he had decent back and forward, but lateral he was not very good. His hips gotcha. didn't turn very well. Carlton Davis is is unique in the fact that he's very agile. For a man of his size. I mean, there's a reason uh, defensive coordinators like smaller quarterbacks, right? If you're smaller and you're more compact, you can turn and maybe run a little bit better. The long, tall, I mean, when you've got more height on you, that's just more body to have to turn and and, and trying to have recovery speed and all those things. Carlton Davis is, is unique because he can play like a smaller cornerback with the bigger body. Uh, again, he's still a rookie. We'll see how it goes. But right now, MJ Stewart probably uh, is playing a little bit better than him. So uh, Ren in the chat room gave us some updates on what was said in the press conference. Uh, Buckner has said that they are not leaning towards a 3-4 this year. They're going to be focused more on their 4-3. How could they? Well, they could do anything. They could do all sorts of dumb shit. They could choose not to throw – never mind. I was going to get into the offensive game planning in the red zone again. (laughs) And that's just not even fun to talk about anymore. Uh, There was a question. What does Dirk have to do this season to to save his job? Win. Win what? That, yeah. I mean, that's legitimately the question. The question was nine wins, ten wins, playoffs. No, What's no. the number? No, I mean, I think I think the caveat here is the is the Jameis Winston suspension too, right? That gives him a little bit of breathing room. If this team starts zero and three, they're not going to the playoffs. It's not going to happen. Right. Statistically, you look at teams that start zero and two, and the percentage is less than ten percent to go to the playoffs. When you start zero and three, forget about it. It just doesn't happen. So this team needs to be two and one, one and two at the absolute worst. Um, three and zero, and and the sky's the limit at this point. But three and zero, then all of a sudden there's the dilemma. Yeah, then we have a discussion. They, then you have that discussion. Yeah. But 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 I think uh, you know I, I think I think eight games, seven games, seven eight games. Again, what saved Dirk's job last year as much as anything? And and I, there's no such thing as moral victories, right? But we've seen teams just when they get down, when they get out of the playoff race, just just quit, right? Cash it in. This team did not do that last year for Dirk Cutter, and they do like Dirk. They know he's an asshole, right? But they like him. They're, they're, he's their asshole, in other that's words. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's a totally legit thing. It's, it's actually really important you brought it up, because I, I tend to harp on the asshole side, but I also point out typically, Bill Belichick's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're successful in an asshole, you're eccentric. When you lose and you're an asshole, you're unemployed. Right. Right. That's that's a pretty big difference. But the point that you're bringing up that the team rallies around him, that the team likes him. Listen, we've all had that uncle that was an asshole, but he was our asshole. Exactly. We can say whatever we wanted. Yep. No one else can say a word to him. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's a really interesting uh, perspective. Now let's talk about the thing you just touched on. If you end up three and zero, and believe me, I am not looking into the tea leaves and seeing us going three and zero necessarily. <laughs> but let's just say, for argument's sake, you do end up three and zero. People have already asked, what do you do? Do you bring Jameis back in? I think it depends. And again, I'll let JC tell you what he thinks as well. But I think I think it depends on how how they won those three games. Mm-hmm. Because they very well, if on they the were scoreboard. to go 3-0, and but what I'm saying is that they could very well go 3-0. 13-4. And, 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 and do it 
you know, with 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 you know, if it's ten deep, nine type games, the defense yeah. just dominates. If it's old buckball, if if Ryan Fitzpatrick is three and zero, but he's playing like Trent Dilfer did, then yeah. it's no question what happens. Trent right? Dilfer for us or Trent Dilfer when he won the Super Bowl? Oh wait, they're the same Either guy. Way. <laughs> they're the same guy exactly. Um, but I mean, I think I think that's going to be the the big factor. I mean, how well is Ryan Fitzpatrick playing? In those three games, again, if he's completing 52 percent of his passes and he's got six touchdowns and five interceptions, um, I don't even think it's a question. I will say this, though. Dirk has always been, and we saw this with, with uh, Doug Martin last year after he finished up his suspension at the beginning of last year. It was immediately Doug's job again, right? Mm-hmm. And Dirk has always said when a player's ready to come back in, whether it be injury or suspension, you know, he's a starter for a reason um, because he's the best guy. And, and I don't think... Um, I think this team also knows the future is Jameis Winston it's, or somebody else, but it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I mean, definitely. he said today you know, uh, about Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's nice to have a 27-year veteran. And <laughs> yeah. uh, he jokes, but he's not that far off. Yeah. And one of the interesting things, though, is uh, because they have that short week after the Pittsburgh game, I wonder if they might consider uh, waiting a week because they have the bye week right after that. So. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe they have uh, Winston not play in that Chicago game and then take over going forward from there. Well, just like if they keep him in there, the the fact if if Ryan's playing well, if Ryan's playing poor, then there's no question Jameis goes right sure. in right there yeah. too. If they're zero and three, you gotta you gotta do something. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think they're gonna go zero and three. I mean, I hate that the suspension is the first three games, right? I mean, you'd love for it to be when the Browns come in town and a couple other teams. But um, because I think the way they're going to win is to be efficient on offense and play well defensively. But as much talent as they have on paper on this defense, it's I don't know that they're going to be able to snap their fingers week one and they're just all going to be on the same page and performing where they need to be. But can they be good enough to slow down Kamara and slow down that passing game Mm -hmm. and keep themselves in the ball game? So you know, you mean like they did last year? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't. You mean yeah. just like they did last year <laughs> yeah, with a lesser team? Pretty much. Yeah. This yeah. this is the thing yeah. I always find fascinating about the prognostication about. I, I just don't know how they're going to even line up against the New Orleans Saints. Wait right. a minute. I'm pretty sure they put a foot in their ass last year. So, mm-hmm. like, the difference between the best team in the league sure. and the worst team in the league is a sliver. <laughs> Absolutely. And the difference. I I love what Jameis does with the football. I'm I'm apparently in a minority, uh, increasing minority, as it were. Um, I like Fitz. I love having an aged vet, smart, good arm, not going to kill you with bad decisions. I feel bad for Ryan Griffin, to be honest, because I think we've invested time in Ryan. I think he throws a great football. Somehow he found arm strength. I just don't think he's got a shot in hell because we need the veteran presence. So he's the odd man out, and I feel bad for him. But I don't think there's any question if Jameis is healthy. Jameis is the leader of this team. He's going to do things that Ryan Fitzpatrick just – can't do. Jameis wasn't a fourth-round draft pick. Jameis right. was the number one overall draft pick. Right, and yep. you're going to – and Dirk Cutter and Jason Light are tied to this guy. Yep. And they're going to succeed or fail in their careers in the NFL based on how Jameis Winston plays. And having him on the bench uh, with a you know a, a 49-year-old man leading a quarterback is, is, is probably not the best thing to do. Well, we'll see. John Gruden will be trying that tactic. Yeah, he'll, bench, he'll bench his starter and find someone. Good news is I was looking the other day because somebody asked – uh, in the mailbag, you know, who are some quarterbacks the Bucks could bring in if, say, Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> or Griffin were to get hurt? Um, um, Bruce Gretkowski is available right now. He's an unrestricted <laughs> free agent. So. Dude, the Polish pistol has ridden this. Uh, listen, Sean King just got mad at us talking about him getting a check. That right. was, the, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to go back <laughs> to my pre Pewter Report days when I was just a guy in the stands that would go buy a ticket. First game I took my son to, 
Um, I think it was 2005, Greg Kowski quarterbacking against the Bengals. Actually won that game. Michael Clayton had a late touchdown, um, you know, towards the end of the game, if not the final play of the game, to win that game. Um, but I would say that was my least favorite time for following this football team was the Bruce Gradkowski year and a half or whatever it was. I just, I had zero, zero confidence in that guy. It was just, that, yeah. was, that was just a boring team too, man. That was just, you know, it's just, there was just nothing dynamic Listen, about those There was a those seven years. yard route getting thrown at some point. Oh, right. Was the awful. pistol was short. It was awful. <laughs> um, we had a question in the uh, chat room and they'd like us to weigh in on who has been doing better in training camp, Jameis or Fitz. Um, I want to kind of, Redirect that question and see if you agree, Mark. Feel Why don't free you to, circle back? Feel free to disagree. I'm, I'm going to circle sideways this okay, time. Do it. It's almost like when we were in elementary school and we would do si do. Yeah. When we learned how to square dance. Yeah. That's come in very handy. I was going to say that's Polk County. That's we didn't do that in Hillsborough oh, County. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, uptown. We Hillsborough didn't square County. dance, though. Listen. Because we you guys it. were already married to your We did a lot of hokey pokies. Yeah. Oh, I got you. you put your left foot in. I hear you. Yeah. At any rate. We didn't take it out. <laughs> you never do. <laughs> no. It's hard for me to say who's doing better in camp because it vacillates so significantly. But one of the things I thought was hilarious at the beginning of training camp was because of the way the reps were distributed, there was this deluge of tweets and text messages I got. Look at what they're doing with Jameis. He's getting third team now. He's jumped all the way to third team now. This is how little the team cares about him. And then the next day he's taking first team reps. And then he's taking some second. Guys, they mix this up. They have a plan. They also know they're going into the beginning of the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Griffin, mm-hmm. right? These are the guys that have to get looks. Don't look for psychology and everything. I beg you, D- I Dirk implore said, Dirk, you. Dirk said it today. If you add up the reps, total amount of reps, Jameis is actually getting more reps <laughs> than Ryan Everybody Fitzpatrick. Else, yeah. Not by a lot, he said, by a little bit. And, um, you know, yes, Ryan is getting the majority of the first team reps. But, again, Dirk can't look at week four. Dirk has to look at week one. That's what he has to do as a guy who's on the hot seat. I mean, he's got to be as prepared as he can for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, damn it. Kurt had a question. Let me see what Kurt's question was. Which and Kurt is this? You one know in Australia? Which Kurt it is. Yes, yes, yes. Hold on a second. Suspension. Throw another shrimp on the barbie, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> I love Austria. Austria. Nice. Kurt, I'm sorry. Repeat your question over there. I lost it. I apologize. I think we may have covered it, though. Uh, Callum wants to know who do we think will make this, who will step up and become a key player for the Bucks. His money's on Justin Evans. Who do you think is going to be that guy that takes their game to another level? I thought Justin showed some good things last year. Is there someone that's uh, maybe under the radar? Justin's probably a good pick. Again, you got to go back to a year ago, and, and if you were to ask him, and it's something I was going to ask him today, and, and we ended up talking about something else, but you know, I'm just curious how much more comfortable he is. But you have to just think, it doesn't matter what job you're in, right? Whether you're selling insurance, whether you're selling cars, whether you're a football player. When you start, right, a year later, how much better are you in everything that we do in life? And, you know, he played well, okay to well last year. I would say he played, I would give him a 5 out of 10, right? He had his moments. There's no reason he can't be a 7 or 8 this year. Sure. And even progress a little bit more each year. Because, again, I tell people all the time, whether they're riding, you know, particularly with our interns and stuff, you're not going to wake up and be a better rider unless you, you ride. Work at it. You got to work at it. Yeah. You're just—it just doesn't happen that way. Really, in anything in life, you just never wake up with this epiphany. All of a sudden, I can sing, or I can play guitar, or I can ride, or I can, you know, sell cars. You get better every time you practice yeah. it. And he's had 365 days to practice this craft that he's working on, and he'll be better 365 days from now. 
Uh, but I think he's going to be. Uh, I think that's a good pick for a guy that you know is is going to take his game to the next level. What about, Either him or Chris Conti. What about God? <laughs> what about Godwin? Suck it, everybody. Yeah. What about Godwin though? Yeah. Oh, oh, but he already has. I mean, this again he's today. There. You think he, he's there? This, Godwin's a beast. This guy is uh, Thomas Bassinger from the Tampa Bay Times. Don't always agree with him. In fact, I rarely agree with him. But um, we, he talks about too much numbers and stats for you. It confuses yeah. you. you. Gloss over. Yeah, that too. But uh, he's a very liberal guy too. But um, I know. Is but Bassinger, there's a correlation. That's there. not true. There's a lot of dumb, educated people in this world. And there's a lot of you're so stupid. There's a lot, lot of smart, uneducated folks. But anyway, point is, Bassinger retweeted um, a catch that Godwin had again today. I mean, two days in a row, yep. he's had our play of the day. Just phenomenal catches. Um, but but. Uh, he said, "You know, this guy, this guy could end up being Jason Light's best draft pick. You know, in in his time with Tampa Bay, uh, might go down as the best draft pick. I mean, he has that potential. He is a number one receiver in the making. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's always going to be that guy, or if they're you know one A, one B, him and Mike Evans. But he he is a talented, talented football player. They've been playing him outside with uh, outside mm-hmm. while they've been put, moving uh, Jackson inside, right?" Mm-hmm. So, do you think that's going to be the way that they're going to approach it in the season? I think I, you know, my thing is I, I, if there's one benefit to Ryan Fitzpatrick playing those first three games, it's going to force Dirk Cutter to utilize Deshaun Jackson, I think, in a better way because Ryan Fitzpatrick's not going to drop back and try and heave the ball sixty yards down the field very often. He he'll take his shots, but he's got about fifty yards in that arm, right, right. in the air, and that's it. So. We've already seen Deshaun Jackson working more crossing routes, more comebacks, getting the ball in space. Finally, right? Finally. And and you know his longest catches last year were those type of plays yeah. where he takes a six yard pass from Jameis Winston against the Patriots and goes forty yards with it. Those are the things that. <laughs> Hold on, I have to I have to stop here. You mean the guy who, because he's so fast, is always given a twelve yard cushion, and the corner is always starting in his backpedal. <sighs> mm-hmm. We should maybe throw a quick slant or something to him where there's no one within seven I'm yards of him. I'm not saying that. I'm we, not going to question We may need Dirk. to go to the whiteboard no, and draw no, this no. shit up to I'm make not, sure it I'm makes not, sense to me. I'm not questioning this offense, and, and, by gosh. And may we even use him in a jet sweep from time to time since he's so fast. No, I'm not. Listen, hey. Uh, Derek, Dirk's going to be mad at you now. Listen, yeah. really, his bad is available, I'm not saying anything, Dirk. Sure. That's Derek Fournier. What yeah, the buck? Yeah, great. <laughs> .net, not .com, .net. I have both of them now. Oh, good. <laughs> we changed it to .com because every day, even you know, ten years it later, I still you. type in. It oh, does it? You. All right. Yeah, it shows how often you've done it. Well, <laughs> the complaint with no I reason. Think, I think after ten years, I finally bookmarked you. Oh, that was very, very nice of you. Took that showed years. that I was going to be around for a while when yeah, I got to a decade. Yeah. Yeah. You, you proved that maybe proved this guy's going to do yeah. something. Uh, there was a question from the chat room. Uh, apparently, Trevor said something about a shin or a chin injury. It was very confusing. <laughs> Good Lord. That was in their podcast. Shin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vernon Hargraves damaged his shin. And we're like, his chin or his shin? He goes, I said it is shin. His uh, shin, 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 shin. I, uh, <laughs> I've asked, been asked a number of times on Jason Reese. Uh, any opinions on Jason Reese so far? I don't even know who that is. Yeah, I got nothing on that. Yeah, tight end, I believe, actually. <laughs> well, and and the problem with the tight end situation is is that's a good group of four it's you got right now. Group. I mean, if I was an unrestricted free agent that didn't get drafted, and my agent called me and goes, no, like, I'm "No, I'm good. good. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'm good." Canadian football got anything going on? Any openings? Because that's going to be a tough nut to crack. Although, listen, the last person in the world that I thought was going to make this football team was was Alan Cross when he made it. Right? Yeah, they drafted Danny Vitale. Uh, Alan Cross, nobody heard of this guy. He was basically a long snapper in, in Memphis or whatever he was. I don't know. He wasn't a long snapper. But he wasn't a 
you know, even a superstar for his college team. But um, I tell you, it's, and I'll tell you real quick. When when he made the team, I remember asking Mike Evans about him, and I said, I asked him about Alan Cross. He goes, "Who?" I said, "Alan Cross." He goes, "Who?" I said, "Alan Cross, the tight end." He goes, "Oh, you mean Honcho?" Honcho. So he didn't even Mike know his Honcho. name. Did not even know his name. Just knew him as Honcho. Uh, but he goes, "You know what? You know what Honcho's good at." And 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 I, Mike didn't say this, but I'm saying this. Guys that understand situational football, guys in situation taking proper angles when they block, being able to see things, how things are going to happen. Rondé Barber was a perfect example of that, right? He yep. he knew what was going on in the field. Alan Cross is a very smart, intelligent football player. Will not come across that when you talk to him. He's as bumpkin as they come from Memphis. Uh, good dude, uh, great guy. But uh, but he is a very cerebral football player too, and, and he understands he's limited athletically, so he has to utilize that part of his his skill set, uh, the mental part of the game. But I just remember Mike was very serious because he just he just knows where to be, right? He knows how to block a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, okay, oh, I'm supposed to block. I hit this guy, he hits me. I hope I beat him. Allen is just very like a sniper in a sense with his blocking and a very dependable guy, and uh, the team really likes him so. He's always like, I'm not going to make the team this year, Dad. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get cut. I hope I'm still here. And, and you know, he has been cut and bounced around a little bit, but um, I, I think he's pretty safe this year. It would be tough for any of these young tight ends really to, to crack the uh, lineup. Yeah, I, I agree. I was talking to someone on the sideline about Allen. Um, that was a pretty good Allen Cross impression if you ever talked about it. It was solid. It was, it was <laughs> solid. Bad. I'd like to see you bowl, and then I would really know if you guys were connected. But yeah. – um, You've got to have guys on the team who are not afraid to do the dirty work and who will be where they're supposed to be every glue time. Glue guys, as Dirk calls them. Yep. Adam Humphrey's a glue guy. Yep. Not going to be a 1,000-yard no. receiver in this offense. Not going to happen. But, but if, you need him on your football team. Dirk if, said that specifically yep, about If he's Adam. supposed to be five yards inside yep. of the hash, he's going to be five yards. He's not going to be four and a half. Right. He's not yep. going to be five and a quarter. Right? And that's a really important thing. I, watch, also, I watch old games. Um, you know, got a, a library of old Buccaneer games and – JC, I may share one with you. I think I have one. No, I didn't bring my bag tonight. Never mind. Sorry. But um, but uh, I was watching a Bucks game against the Seattle Seahawks. It was 77 or 78. I can't remember. Steve Largent on the field. You look at that guy. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, right? But when you look at him, there's no way he should be nearly as good as he is. But he was such a perfect, precise route runner and was an intelligent guy. And I'm not comparing Adam Humphreys to him, but, but what you just said there's a huge difference in four and a half and five yards. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Adam is a guy that's going to be there. And when the ball hits his hands, he's going to catch it, although it did seem drop one in practice. It just doesn't happen no. very often in the game. It's, it's rare in the game to have that happen. Yeah. I mean, it's rare to get thrown, but still, if, if they throw it to him, he's going to yeah. catch it. He had 600 yards last year. I, I didn't realize Holy that. Holy shit, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, no, it was, I think he – I can't remember how many receptions he had, but I believe he had around 600 yards last year. Only <laughs> one touchdown, but – yeah, man, I would have lost that bet. Yeah, I, no matter how you structured it to yeah. get to that number, I would have lost it. I have to look it up now. Just yeah, to make sure validate I'm not that because that's that's some really I'm good positive. shit. Um, that's that's fascinating. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, uh, appreciate you moving that away. All right, we're almost to the hour. I know Mark's got some things to do tonight. I know JC came all the way over here. Yep. Uh, I want to remind you guys to to follow Mark Cook. Get out to from where? Where does JC live? Wesley Chapel. Wesley Chapel. Up, up he he lives out near the Polk County that Rick Brown lives in. Yep. Next to Ford's garage, right? <laughs> 631 yards on Holy 61 receptions wow. last year. That is amazing. I, I would have had no idea. Wow. And listen, Adam Humphreys could be a 1,000-yard receiver with the Patriots next year. Yeah. I mean, in, in the right offense, he certainly yeah, absolutely. can. Absolutely. He's it. just buried behind a lot of talent. 
Yes, and they've got to figure out how to get the ball in the end zone with all that talent. And and Dirk's, Dirk doesn't throw a lot of those little three, four-yard passes like you know Tom Brady has, has done well. I mean, Tom Brady can sling it long too, but what I'm saying is they get the ball in Edelman's hands or, or who was the other guy they had for a long time uh, that ended up with 19 concussions. I can't remember. The uh, other another Edelman. short white guy. Yeah, the other short white guy. You know, and you know yeah. those the guys. The other Adam Humphreys clone. Those guys would have been 300-yard receivers in Dirk's offense, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it, it, the the talent that is there is amazing. We've talked about it before. There has to be cohesion on both lines. It's not about individuals. It's about them dancing together. The choreography has to be there. They have to be in concert. Uh, Ren said that uh, he asked Coach Cutter today, I assume, uh, if the right guard rotation was an option, and he said absolutely. Um, I, I hope oh, that Coach Cutter is just screwing with people, and that's not real, but it is what it is. Uh, well, I thought they did the left guard rotation. They did left guard last year, last, but, to, but you but put your the, left foot in, you put your left foot out. We've already gone over the but, hokey pokey of yeah, Hillsborough County. But, yes. I, but I think the reason why they did that was because they didn't have confidence in either dude. Yeah, so what you right. should really do is just keep mixing it up because right. that helps the guys on either side of them. Yeah. It's a Remember I wanted to fight Jude Ajay Barima a few years ago because he cost the Buccaneers a playoff spot with that hold against the Oakland Raiders when the Buccaneers <laughs> right. would have won that game and they would have had enough wins to go to the playoffs? Right. Yes. I want to fight Evan Smith last year because – People forget he had a hands to the face and a touchdown got called back against the Patriots on Monday night. And then what's his face? Folk missed a field goal. So what's his face? The plot gets <laughs> the, the plot the, thickens. The kicker. I does hate Nick do. Folt was an asshole. Listen, here's the thing. Was not a fan of him. There's not many players that kicking. I there haven't been many asshole players on this team since I've covered him full time since 2011. Folk, I, Folk was one kind of a jerk. Yeah. Didn't like well, him. What about Captain Zero? How's Great that? guy. Yeah. Best looking wife on the team too, by the way. Kickers do that, man. Best Shane, look. I tried to tell Shane that to my Graham? son. I was like, dude, dude. He's like, no chicks don't like kickers. I go, uh, let me introduce you to uh, Chandler's wife. She likes him a lot. Do you guys remember Shane Graham? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the ugliest football players ever. Made Dennis Johnson from the Celtics look attractive. <laughs> it wasn't bad, Joakim Noah, though, was he? Uh, yes. Ooh. Yes. Shane Graham was a. I don't remember what he looked like man. without a helmet on. He was. He was uh, a less attractive you. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was a ginger, super pale. Yeah. Just terrible. My buddy was playing on the team. We went down to meet him after the game. They come out. This woman walks by, and everybody turns. Like, it was a movie. The The soundtrack slow. Mm-hmm. And she walked by, and I was like, Jen, who, who is that? And he's like, oh, that's that's Graham's <laughs> wife. I was like, Graham who? who you, you only have one Graham. You have a kicker. He goes, yeah, the kicker. Wow. Like, Get the fuck out of here. We, we were at OTAs this year. Their last day, I think it was their friends and family day, and... Um, I won't discuss who was discussing it, but somebody was kept bringing up this blonde, this blonde, this blonde, and got, Whoa, okay, there is blonde. But I had no idea, and then Chandler came off the field and gave her a big smooch right on the lips, and we we're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Try to explain that to my son, who switched from kicker to linebacker this year. I don't know what you're doing, to, dude. To get more women? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Interesting approach. All right, so Mark, it is thepewterreport.com, correct? Is it? No, it's not. I'm not talking to you again. <laughs> Pewterreport.com. This is my last podcast with Derek. S- super, superstar work over there. You guys continue to crush it, which is great. Love seeing you guys out there. Um, you got a, a fantastic staff. The cover three from Trevor's fantastic. Scott's Fab Five. All of your work. The, the team continues to do just Mentioned tireless effort. didn't say anything about the Monday Mailbag. Yep. The Monday Mailbag. I don't know where you, you, your claim to fame is the other he articles. He likes your bag. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Mark's bag. Yeah. And my sack. <laughs> it's a small sack, but it's wonderful. I call them sacks, not bags. Like grocery sacks. Speaking of sacks, JC Delatore, what yep. can we expect from the What the Buck staff? Oh, there's going to be a lot of good stuff this year. Uh, we're definitely going to be breaking down uh, our opponents and looking at the... Uh, 
our Same. opponents. Did he just say our? Oh, oh. This, is oh. Where, this is where the real oh. media makes Sorry. fun oh. of the friend. Probably hasn't said we all night. Yes. We got a good offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. We got a good defensive line. Hey, listen, line. I've, I've been good all night with not doing yeah, the that's true. Stuff. Fuck not doing that. And all you got to do to be real media, apparently, is just misquote people. Because that's oh. apparently what real media does. Not Pewter yes. Report. We can, we can play this game not all day. Not the Pewter Report. We don't do that. All day this <laughs> game You know what I do? I don't, you can ask her. I don't go anywhere without a damn recorder. But yeah, we, if a person calls me, if a player calls me uh, on the phone in the car, I'm recording it yeah. because you know I, you can't just scratch notes and remember. I, I mean, that's old school. Hubert Mizell. I remember watching him in the old sombrero when I was helping Scott out with the old Buccaneer magazine, and literally writing that shorthand. And I would be like, "How the hell can he read what he wrote?" You know, he didn't use a recorder, and uh, I don't remember him getting in trouble with misquoting people but i just think you always need to have that recording and and i and when i've got to make room on a recorder i go way back months back because i don't want to take a chance of just in case you yeah. know just in case certainly yeah. makes sense makes sense well i want to thank you guys for joining us on the podcast tonight thank our friends here for coming to the podcast tonight we'll be back next week thanks for the ribs tonight by the way you're very welcome yes. if you ever get an opportunity to eat Derek's ribs eat Derek's ribs i was a little skeptical i'm not gonna lie everyone thinks they can grill ribs <laughs> ribs aren't my favorite part of the, the what pig. is your favorite next time i will make your favorite oh a fried pork chop all day long with a little oh. bit of fat on the side that's easy uh, that's that's brilliant that's uh, that's the best part of a pig brilliant simplicity I can my dad told that. me my dad grew up obviously out in the country and and they he he finds it ironic that ribs are this the specialty food because when he was a kid that's the, that was the last thing they ate right when they butchered a hog was the ribs they're like what are we having for dinner tonight <laughs> what's Mom? left well Shit. there's a few ribs there's a brain and ribs <laughs> well can you fry the brains can you scramble the brains i really no, son, I'm going to go ahead and cook these ribs. Oh, great. And now people like travel over and they pay like $15 for a rack of ribs. And my dad just doesn't get it. He'll eat them. Don't get me wrong. He enjoys them. But no, he'll, he'll take every part of the pig, too. I think he'll take a, a pickled pig's foot over a rib. So did you ever have the pig's brain? Uh, no, I haven't had pig's brain. Okay. Or, or the uh, intestines, the lights, as they call them. I've had that. Liver and lights. I like the I've liver, but uh, not the lights. I've had the lights, not the brain. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, Brent wanted to say, because he came over here and helped with the audio for the Mevo setup, et cetera, he said he finally understands about the mirror in the bathroom that you would uh, wax poetically about yeah. every year. <laughs> There's nothing better when that son of a bitch is fogged up and I can't see myself when I walk by. But, I mean, Ren's acting like he's George Clooney or something, No, too. no, it was Brent. It wasn't Ren. Oh, well, was... okay, again, Brent. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he's, he was Bradley agreeing. Bradley Cooper. Oh, he, he was agreeing with me. He was me. agreeing with you, asshole. Right. <laughs> he is so grouchy, this guy. Yep. Anyway, we'll be back next week. If you see us out at training camp, say hello. Everyone in the Not chat room me. wants you to come by the tailgate. I've explained that you don't walk anywhere uh, of significance. <laughs> Got bad peg legs. <laughs> kind of hard to walk. Bad but, uh, back. But, but, follow. but if somebody wants to bring a golf cart, I will attend one this year. We can get you a ride up on a golf cart. You've said that for there. 10 years. I've never, no one's brought me a golf cart. I'll give no. you a ride in the haunted car if you want. I can't get you right over there. I can get oh. you right up from there. Up from there? What does that mean? Like, if you're at our tailgate, you always can believe about how far it is from the stadium, yeah. which it's not. It literally is six miles. <laughs> oh, literally, the way they redefine literally to mean figuratively. Yeah, done. true. Fuck. Uh, at any rate, at some point, Mark Cook may come to a tailgate. We just don't know. Sorry, I'm a big TV star. I'm going to be... Oh, that's right, Channel 8. Channel 8, man. It's going to be a little hard to walk it's in It's going to be suit. super big. I forgot. Were See, you talking to... Uh... I'm, I'm third on that totem pole See, by choice. I'm in charge of the scheduling for that and, <laughs> and uh, constantly been, why aren't you on Sunday night? I'm like, no, it's high definition that's, TV. That's why I wanted you to sit here because I figured that you know, you're the big TV star, so the no. camera should be pointing to No, me. I'm not a big TV star. Hey, we do have to give a shout-out to Callum's new baby boy, Edward Shaw. Edward. Edward. Where's Callum. Callum at? 
Callum's in the chat room. I know, I, but I don't literally know where he is geographically. Where okay. in the world is Callum Shaw is a real question. Sounds um, like Ireland. He could be. But it's like six hours from here. Is he up at 3 a.m. listening to us? That, because he heard you were going to be on the show. Well, not surprising. <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week, guys. Thanks again to you guys. And uh, follow us on whatthebuck.net for more information. And get out to peterreport.com and follow all the great stuff at peterreport.com. Thanks, and go Bucks.